Again, just uh, as you know, we sort of tend to sort of go through uh, into a little bit of series from time to time, and of course we're just starting a new series today, and um, I'm just as excited about that series as, uh, as the last one, and uh, one that has stirred in my heart for some weeks now, and I've just been saying, when, Lord, when? When do I start that one? And uh, it's um, uh, one that I believe will uh, uh, touch and reach you uh, where you are. Uh, as God's word does when we actually preach it. You know, um, in uh, Luke chapter 24 and verse 44, you might want to go there. Um, What we're looking at is those verses where, you know, uh, we see the kingdom of God started with a call from uh, the Lord Jesus, an invitation from the Lord Jesus uh, for, uh, uh, you know, for, for his disciples to go and wait for the promise of the father who's ever heard of the word the promise of the father and uh, it rings a bell for you uh, the promise of the father uh, his last words to his disciples as he ascended up uh, to heaven was not about uh, some law that they should keep uh, uh, it was about being clothed with power from on high can you say amen? amen amen and luke 24 is that particular passage of scripture Luke chapter 24 and verse uh, 44, it says, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, uh, that this is the risen Lord Jesus, okay, talking to his disciples. He's not on his way to the cross. He's been to the cross, okay. Now he's a risen Lord Jesus in front of his disciples. And I tell you what, I'd be on the edge of my seat. I want to know what he's got to say about what's happened, what's just transpired. And it says... um, uh, then these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. I tell you what, that's a prayer you can pray. Lord, open my mind so I can under, understand the scriptures. Open me up so I can receive revelation knowledge from you, Lord. Great verse, great verse of scripture. It says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. In other words, what's happening is what was written. Praise the Lord. That should be our experience as Christians. What's written is what should be happening. We should be seeing that new life in our lives. Can anyone say amen? You know, and we really need to uh, recognize that uh, Jesus was talking about that lifestyle. Thus it is written that, the Christ, that Christ should suffer on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But get this, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Stay in the city. In other words, don't race off. Jesus is risen. You need to know that Jesus is risen. Go and tell their neighbours, friends, etc. They probably were anyway. But he wanted them to wait in Jerusalem until they received power from on high. Now, the Jewish feast that Jesus was crucified at was called what? Passover. Thank, thank you. It was the Passover. 50 days later, after they had waited in Jerusalem to be clothed with power from on high, the day of Pentecost occurred. We're going to get to that. But I just want us to spend a little bit of time talking about the fact that the reason that we have Pentecostal written on the front sign out the front there as you come into the car park and down on the corner there is is because we hold to the belief that the Holy Spirit is at work in his church. You know, I like to think that the reason we gather is because that's what's going on. The Holy Spirit's at work. 
He's ministering to hearts and lives. I, I must admit, and you probably notice this about me personally, but I'm not so much in um, uh, the, 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 and it was put this way at the conference, which I really loved because it really spoke to me. We're not so much interested in the man of God at the front, but the God of man in the congregation. Hallelujah. Are you glad about that? Because, you know, it, it, it just means that it's not because, you know, the people down the front and the people with all the titles, all the ones where they've got all the, you know, the power of the hour. That's not what it's about. God wants to be working in your hearts and lives. And, you know, the reason we, we, you know, we preach and teach and do what we do is so that people can get a hold of that truth and have that experience where God's working in their lives. Not just when you get saved, either, but an ongoing relationship. And uh, I'm excited about that lifestyle and always have been. You know, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit is so essential, uh, so needful in building the kingdom of God. It's a work that we're all called to as well. We're all called to that work. We want to witness more and more the work that only God can do in people's hearts and lives. The touch of God's spirit on someone's life is the influence that we cannot produce. And if, you've ever, if you've ever been moved by the Lord in some way or been used to minister to others, you knew the first thing you know is that it's not you. <laughs> The first thing you know is you couldn't produce that if you tried. You know, there's no switch, no button, no plug to push in. It's just God moving. And the thing about the Holy Spirit, you even think about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can go over there to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and read off the list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, it finishes off by saying uh, these all uh, operate and function as the Holy Spirit wills. If I had a switch somewhere out in the prayer room, a little secret switch, click turn that on, I'd be turning on all the time and be on flat out. But it's as, it's as the Holy Spirit wills. And that's why we need to know him. His presence and power keeps us going. Amen? It's not just a little party trick that you can pull, you know, and, uh, and, and just flick on whenever you feel like it. It's always good to recognise that the Bible contains reference to the Holy Spirit, even in its opening words. Describing God's creation, Genesis 1-2, the Holy Spirit gets a mention, his presence and power. You know, it hovers. Genesis 1 and verse 1 to 2, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. You know, it's a reference that really helps us to see that wherever God is at work, his spirit will be at work as well. I heard one preacher who said that wherever the gospel is preached, the Holy Spirit lands. You know, every time we're out ministering for the, uh, you know, for the Lord in some way or other, representing him in some way, sharing the gospel in some way, you can expect the Holy Spirit's getting involved. You know, even though you can't see him, you know, sometimes you can feel him. You know, you can feel the conviction going on in someone else's heart the way that he begins to work and minister in people's lives. And the key to our Christian productivity is to be a people of the word and the spirit. Have that engagement with both. Not just all, all about the word, but an engagement with the Holy Spirit as well, where we can sense and know what he's doing and moving and what he's saying. Not just preaching the gospel, but learning to flow with the spirit and be sensitive to him as he fulfills his role and uh it's it's always he's always at work you know fulfilling his key role in the earth he brings conviction to
to those that, that don't believe. He convinces the unbeliever of the sin of not believing in Jesus. He does that. You say, how does he do it? I don't know how he does it, but I know he did it to me. I remember the conviction I was coming under when I was swearing. Just before I got saved, I would swear and I would use Jesus' name. And I got to a point where I was going like this, where I, was, I really started to wonder if he was listening. I started to just rise up into this recognition that, that you know, God was listening every time I, I used the name of Jesus in vain. Used it as a swear word. I started to get conscious. You know what I figure? I figure someone was praying for me. I figured there was someone out there in my circle who was starting to say, he needs to get saved, Lord. He'd make a good Christian, you know. We need to be doing that, don't we, you know, with our friends and circles, our workmates, relatives, just praying for them that the Lord would start to convict their hearts of the sin of not believing in Jesus. Amen. Because you know what? That's the sin that will bring you to a Christless eternity, not believing on Jesus. Amen. So here's Jesus teaching his disciples. He left the place where he just had the Last Supper and with his, uh, with his 11 disciples, and I say 11, uh, Judas left a little earlier that night. You see, he's working two jobs, you see. And uh, he had his eyes on a payday of 30 pieces of silver. And so he's off and uh, checks out early from the team and uh, Jesus and his disciples are making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's teaching them about the Holy Spirit as he goes. John chapter 14 through to John chapter 17. You can read it for yourself. It's a good read. It's all about the Holy Spirit. He's telling them about what's next. He's telling you know, uh, uh, the disciples about what's going to happen uh, when he goes. He's going to send the promise of the Father. And, you know, the beauty of it is, is that we live in that day and age now. We have the promise of the Father available to us. We can tap into uh, uh, his spirit and, uh, and welcome him every day into our lives. And we should. You know, there's uh, teaching about the Holy Spirit. John 14 to 7 is also known as the farewell discourse, or I like to call it the Gethsemane uh, discourse. John chapter uh, 16 and verse 7, he says this, But I tell you the truth, it is for your benefit that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. It's Jesus talking. Who's the advocate? The Holy Spirit. It's, it's him. It's that, that, that third person of the triune God. The word translated as advocate is the Greek word parakletos. Uh, it's translated in different translations of the Bible as uh, as Advocate, intercessor, a consoler, a comforter, a helper. Those are the translations of that word parakletos. And um, it's a, a combination of two Greek words. It means close beside and make a call. Uh, literally, the word means one called to your side. The Holy Spirit's been called to your side. You see, it's a good word. God has sent the Holy Spirit to be at our side. What's your revelation of the Holy Spirit in your daily life? It should start with, he's been called to my side. He's walking with me. And in that place, I tell you, he's talking with you as well. What do we do today? Kevin, Dee, what do we do? Well, we'll find out when we sit and have a little moment because he's called to our side. Amen. 
called to our side to go and to go with us. And, um, you know, Jesus is saying to his disciples, it's to your advantage that I go away so I can send the Holy Spirit to you. And the disciples didn't get it. You know, they struggled with the news of Jesus going away. They've been struggling with that for a while now. So that sort of, this is starting to become a bit of a happen. You know, they're going, what? Jesus, you're going away? The ministry's going really good right now. We've got the crowds. We have the miracles happening. Uh, people are coming. Um, they're probably planning stages for a ministry newsletter. You know, going to print off a little business card. They're on the way, you know. Success was happening and, the, and Jesus is saying, I've got to go away. Be, this is, and you know why? The success of Jesus' ministry was about to be eclipsed by the ministry of the church. Filled with the Holy Spirit, just like he was. And I'm going to explain that. We have to see that Jesus was ushering in the church age. Uh, the church, the Greek word ecclesia, means the called out ones. He's, he's called us out. He's separated. We sung the song. You know, you are holy. He is separate. He calls us out to be separate with him. Amen. And in that place, he calls the Holy Spirit to our side so that we're never without his presence and his power. And as we grow sensitive to that, you watch what can happen. The Lord starts to move and minister you know, he starts to touch lives um, uh, uh, through us as we're obedient to his, uh, his leadings and promptings. Jesus was about to complete his work on earth at the cross and he would rise from the dead and ascend into heaven and send the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. And as Pentecostals, we need to know the sequence of events. We need to know why, you know, wouldn't it have been, well, wouldn't it have been better if Jesus just stayed, started a worldwide ministry and we could all just flock to him and give our hearts to him? Now, it's better that we be filled with his Holy Spirit. And we'll see that. So Jesus, as the disciples are praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, is taken into custody as Ju Judas betrays his location to the chief priests. And he and a posse of soldiers and officials come and take Jesus. Okay, and we see that. John chapter 18, verse 1, and after Jesus had spoken these, uh, these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley and they entered a garden. Now, Judas, his betrayer, also knew the place because Jesus had often met there with the disciples. So Judas brought a band of soldiers and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees. They arrived at the garden carrying lanterns, torches and weapons. And they come to take Jesus. But, of course, he demonstrates, he demonstrates, you know, his power of, you know, uh, the power that he walked in over, uh, you know, that power. And, of course, to resist his captivity. But it was the will of God that he fulfilled his call. It was that calling of God that he fulfilled. And uh, we see in, uh, in, from verse 4, it says, John chapter 18 and verse 4, it says, Jesus, knowing all that was coming upon him, stepped forward and asked them, saying, Whom are you seeking? Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, they answered. And Jesus said, I am he. And Judas, his betrayer, was standing there with him. And when Jesus said to him, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Can you imagine that? A posse that's coming to take you. And the minute you say, yep, I'm the one, cuff me, they all fall on the ground. I'd go, well, I guess it'd be a good time to escape, you know. They don't seem to have any power, you know. 
Jesus was demonstrating that he had all the power. He didn't have to go with them if he didn't want to. But he knew that it was the will of God that he go with them. Because what they had for him was what God had for them. Amen? Jesus demonstrates his power over that circumstance. So he asked them, who am you seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they answered, as they get up off the ground, picking themselves up. I told you that I am he, Jesus replied. So if you're looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I have not lost one of those that you've given me. And if you know the story, I quite like this part of the story. Peter pulls out his sword and cuts off the ear. <laughs> cuts off the ear of one of the arresting uh, soldiers. Uh, or uh, Actually, uh, he's a servant. And he cuts his ear off. And, of course, you know, the disciples are probably all reaching around for rocks and clubs at about this point because they figure that if Jesus can knock them down, what they can do is knock them out, you know. And, uh, but, you know... It's really, it's really a picture of, of much of the church today. You know, people so very much devoted to Jesus, but serving him in their own strength. Watch that. We don't want to be doing things in the flesh. We're supposed to be serving him with the power of God. And, and that's a picture, you know, Peter, you know, and of course, uh, you know, if you know the, uh, the Gospel of Luke uh, says that Jesus tells Peter to put his sword away, grabs up Melchus's piece of ear, sticks it back on his ear and heals him. Again, just the power of God in demonstration, you know, as this, as this circumstance, he shows himself to be powerful over these circumstances and, uh, and not subject to them. And, of course, demonstrating that right up until his arrest. Wow, I love it. Jesus has the power to walk away from this arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, but he doesn't choose it because it's not the will of God. Jesus is saying, take me now, because he knows that God's will is for him to die that die, uh, death of the cross and to uh, rise from the dead the third day. Because if he doesn't, he can't send the Holy Spirit to the church. We've got to see that sequence as well and understand that that's a part of the equation. If he doesn't go, he can't send the promise of the Father, which is what we all need. Jesus' ministry was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't, and I'm going to rock you a little bit now, Jesus didn't do the miracles that he did because he was the Son of God, because he was a divine person. He didn't do miracles, signs and wonders because of those things. The takeaway for us today is Jesus did the miracles he did because the Holy Spirit was upon him. Think about that. So often we think, oh, well, if I was the Son of God, I could do miracles too. No, no, you can do miracle signs and wonders because you've got the Holy Spirit alongside you. And we just got to get more sensitive at working with him because he wants to do signs, wonders and miracles. He wants to uh, bring out gifts of the Spirit, you know, speak into people's lives and, and you know, uh, show them things that, you, that the Lord's shown you that actually reveals some things that actually gets them convicted. I love that testimony. Uh, Pastor uh, Jess's uh, babysitter uh, down there. She's, she's telling the lies, but the Lord knows the truth. <laughs> Hallelujah. So um, she gets all convicted, and I'm sure the result is that she's going to be sleeping on that for a long, long time and wondering why she's still not in church. So um, this truth 
does, you know, the realisation that Jesus didn't do what he did because he was the son of God, but rather he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. is such a truth that causes some people, particularly religious people, to go tilt, tilt, you know. Um, because what we're trying to understand is that this is why Jesus told the disciples, it's to our advantage that he goes away. In Philippians 2.7, and I'll just give you a little bit of the deeper doctrine here, it says this, uh, because let's, let, let's just really get a hold of this truth. We have to understand why Jesus told his disciples it's to, to our advantage that he goes away. In Philippians 2.7, it says, it says Jesus emptied himself when he became a man. It's called the kenosis of Jesus. He emptied himself. And, uh, you know, he's still divine, but he's not operating in his divine power. He lives out of the ministry dependent upon and demonstrating what it is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So what happens is a lot of people limit themselves in their ministry because they think, well, I'm not the son of God. No, but you are empowered by the Holy Spirit and he's part of the triune God. So we need to tap into that. We need to plug in. We need to know what it is to, to plug into the Holy Spirit. Because as the sign says out the front, we're Pentecostals. We believe that stuff. We understand that. The very identifying feature and confirming sign when Jesus entered his ministry was to occur when, Jesus, uh, when John baptised Jesus. And I want us just to look at that. I know we're going a little over time today. We've had a few extra things that were happening and... It's a blessing. Mark 1 and verse 6 says this, Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. John had a glimpse. John had an understanding. John knew the sequence. Jesus wasn't just going to come and be the, you know, the, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's going to be the one that baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. That's a good news. That's a good news bit. So important that we go beyond salvation through believing on Jesus to serving God with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus demonstrated that for us. That's the bit that we've got to get a hold of and go, oh, you mean there's more? There's so much more for us. But we've got to plug in. We've got to connect. We've got to be people that fellowship and invite the Holy Spirit into our daily lives. John chapter 1 and verse 29 to 34, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. So John's got his story. He knows what his job is. And it says in verse 32, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained on him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit? God. No, Jesus does. It's Jesus that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. You know, and it's through our, you know, as we come to Jesus, we come to Christ, as we come to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, there's something more. And it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we should all want to serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
you know, the Apostle Paul undertook his apostolic ministry with a view to see people empowered by the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19 and verse 1 to 2. And just going to look at this as the last passage in it. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. In other words, what's that? That was new technology for them. They haven't heard of that one. We haven't had that app, you know. That's the problem with a big percentage of the church in the Western world. They don't understand the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We do. We have tissues out all over the building because we do understand that part is that so often people coming into this church for the first time sense something that they haven't sensed before. And it's his presence. And they're touched in their hearts and it's like, don't know, don't know what's going on, but I feel like crying. <laughs> we love it, we get the tissues, there's usually some laying around. We've got a big box of them outside and we put them out often and frequently. Because people need them. Because the minute they walk in the door, God's doing something in their heart that I couldn't do even if I had a switch for it. You know. But I tell you what, hearts are being changed. Transformations are going on. And I love going to conference and getting ministered to and coming back to my seat, tears in my eyes because God's done something fresh and new and, and I love it because I know it's God. I know it's the Holy Spirit. You know, a great part of the Western church don't understand the Holy Spirit. They don't understand his function and what they do is they fill their time with ritual and ceremony because they haven't got that understanding of how the Holy Spirit's moving and don't know how to yield to him for empowerment. And that's what we, church, need to do, is yield to him, surrender to him for empowerment. Acts chapter 19 and verse 3 to 6, we'll just continue on. And he said to them, into what then were you baptised? So they said, well, into John's baptism. And then Paul said, well, John indeed baptised with the baptism of repentance, saying that people uh, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him that is on Christ Jesus and when they heard this they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus so they got baptized again and when Paul had laid hands on them the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied power of the Holy Spirit came upon them and they started to speak in other tongues started to speak in a heavenly language, you know, and, uh, and prophesied. And of course, in the early church, they used that a lot to recognize that someone had been touched by God, someone had been born again. Someone is born again because you can't speak in tongues unless you are, you see. It's not going to happen before you come to Christ. That's what will happen after you come to Christ. Not always, not always in the, in, um, necessarily as a result of someone starts speaking in tongues. Sometimes we will pray for people that come down the front, Pray for them to, uh, uh, to uh, get filled with the Spirit, speaking out of tongues. Had one last Sunday. Came down the front, wonderfully filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking in other tongues wasn't very hard at all. And, um, and I encourage you this morning. If you're a Christian and you haven't yet been filled with the Holy Spirit and would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit in a way in which your heavenly language comes from, come on down the front this morning as we give an altar call. 
truth is, the thing we have to take away today is Jesus is risen and is now at the right-hand side of the Father. And the Bible says that God will give the Holy Spirit to all who ask him. To all who ask him. That's the truth we need to let slide down into our heart. Let's not mistake, you know, uh, make the mistake, I should say, of not asking him. Let's make sure that we pursue it with a hunger, desiring his power, not to us, but through us. You know, next week we're going to get into this a little bit further and see what happened on the day of Pentecost. What actually occurred that time when the Holy Spirit first came. And uh, you'll see that tongues was very much a part of what occurred. And you'll understand a little bit more about what that, what's happening when you speak in other tongues. And, um, you know, it's so important that we recognize that it's not to us, it's through us. God wants to do something through our lives. And we'll have to yield, we'll have to surrender, we'll have to give our lives over to him. You know, and, and um, you know, I want to make an invitation this morning. I just asked the team to come. I'm sorry I've gone a little bit longer. Just asked the team to come. Maybe um, uh, we could uh, uh, just make that altar call and then just sing this song and we're going to close. But just again, encourage you. We've got morning tea this morning. Don't feel you need to race off. Don't feel you need to head off to, um, uh, you know, to your next appointment or whatever it is. Hang around, have a bit of fellowship. We'd love to get to chat with you and talk with you. And, uh, and I believe the Lord wants to minister to those that come down the front this morning as well. So give us a chance to get to you if you want to chat to us and, uh, and let the Lord minister among us. But, you know, I really encourage you this morning, you know, that uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a normal part of Christianity. It's a normal part covered in the scriptures, covered in the New Testament, something that you could expect, should expect. And don't just be satisfied with knowing that, you know, uh, well, I know Jesus, I'm happy. No, no, you, you really want the one that's called to your side to empower your life as you walk out. Amen. So God bless. Praise the Lord. Let's, um, let's close on that and, uh, and sing. So, Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you that you seal it, Lord God, in hearts and lives, Lord, that people are, are here, Lord God, hungry for what you have by your Holy Spirit. Lord, that as we worship you, Father God, you, you um, inhabit the praises of your people, Lord. And Lord, we be that people that, that, that sing out of a heart that's hungry for more of you, Lord God. And Lord God, we thank you that you give the Holy Spirit to all that ask you, Father God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Let's just sing this last song before we go.